0: Everything we grow starts with the same basic element and that is soil. Our Soil is so important and it's down to us to help our soil become everything that we want it to be. Hello and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today we're going to be talking about soil and soil amendments and what we need to do to basically look after our soil and create the perfect environment for our plants. This is going to be the precursor to a series that I'm going to be doing and that series is going to be starting on Monday and for the following few Mondays we're going to be looking at different elements of enriching our soil. Now if you have ever bought fertilizer in a garden center you will have noticed probably that the packet tends to contain three numbers and those numbers refer to the nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium that are in that product, referred to quite often as N, P, and K. Now, in the forthcoming series, every week we're going to do a slightly deeper dive on each one of those. So, next Mondays will be all about nitrogen. There are lots of elements that go into building our soil though. And an overview of how it all works, I thought, would be helpful to sort of preface that series. So that's what today is going to be. There's lots and lots of ways that we can build our soil up. And something that we're always going to come back to and is almost always the right thing to do is just to add organic matter. The more organic matter you add is going to work wonders for building your soil. Now, whatever soil type you have, if you've got a soil that's very sandy, or if you've got a soil that's very clay, adding that organic matter is what you're going to want to do over time just to continually add it by way of mulching and composts to basically improve it doesn't matter whether it's sandy or clay the reason that it's either of those things is basically telling you that it's not got as much hummus as we might like now hummus is effectively what's left from the organic matter after it's rotted down and it's released its nutrients what's left is hummus and that is what's going to make your soil tend towards perfection you know insofar as how much it holds moisture and does all the other things that we want it to do aside from the actual amounts of those nutrients that are in it there's Lots of options we've got for the actual nutrients themselves. And again, we're going to dive into those. But I want you to remember that the only one option is a shop-bought fertilizer. Personally, we don't buy any fertilizer and we haven't ever. We've relied on our own soil amendments and our own mulching and composting of organic matter. We haven't put anything that we've bought for the purpose of enriching our soil into the ground we have bought compost and we've used that for some of our pots when we first got started before we had our our own composting up and running but we've never actually bought a specific fertilizer or a tomato feed or anything like that so quite often lots of people will have bought fertilizers as their only method really of improving the soil but there's lots of in my opinion better ways of doing it and there's some reasons why we might think that a shop bought fertilizer is not necessarily as good as the more organic methods that we can use. So some of those would be that if if you rely on fertilizers too much exclusively and and sort of over and over again it can actually lead to the humus that's already in the soil as it becomes depleted not being replaced and because we're not adding that organic matter to the soil we're just adding fertilizer then eventually that's going to lead to things like topsoil erosion and Water run off and taking away all the nutrients that we want, and you can get sort of loose powdery soil that the wind can sweep off and create a dust bowl the The, the topsoil is is literally just not going to have that structure that structure that we we need it to have to do its job. The humus is a byproduct of organic matter it's what's left when the organic matter is given up its nutrients and that's not what you're going to get with fertilizer fertilizer is purely adding the nutrients so it's really important to remember that if you're just relying on fertilizers then you're doing a disservice to your soil and eventually you're going to have other problems that are going to need solving another thing to bear in mind to your thought process is that Commercially produced fertilizers, the manufacturing of them is a relatively large contributor to greenhouse gases and it's quite resource intensive. So, for example, to produce one ton of nitrogen fertilizer takes a ton of oil, a hundred tons of water, and releases seven tons of greenhouse gases. So, that's according to the Soil Association. So if you're going to be using a nitrogen fertilizer, then there's you know there's there's a, a cost to that above and beyond the purchase price. So there's lots and lots of reasons why we might choose to go for amending our soil using a more natural approach. That doesn't mean that you have to do away with fertilizers and feeds completely if you are geared up more towards doing that or perhaps you're starting off with soil that is particularly deficient in something then perhaps it might be necessary or worthwhile to invest in some fertilizer of a particular type just to give you that kick start but in terms of an ongoing approach I think managing our soil much like whenever I talk on some of the episodes that deal with permaculture I quite often talk in a language of nudging and guiding and what we're really trying to do to reduce how intensively we need to manage our gardens it's much better if we just give a, a guiding hand and gently move things in the direction that we want rather than trying to completely reshape from scratch a system or anything at all in our garden if all we do is we offer a guiding hand and gradually move things in the direction we want then we're going to find that we're doing much less work and that we're going to be working with our gardens we are going to be working with the nutrients that are already in the soil we're not going to be just creating a blank canvas and, and imagining that everything we do is everything that can be done much better if we allow the natural cycles to do the job for us so This ties into a lot of other things that I speak about all the time, such as no-dig gardening and mulching, and all these things compound together, as I always say, and give us far better results for much, much less work. You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. So, To restate, the three main nutrients that our plants need are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, referred to as N, P, and K quite frequently. Now, even if our soil has exactly what we want it to have in regard to these nutrients at the start, these are going to change over time, and there's lots of reasons for that. Basically, it's not a, a static thing rain can wash some nutrients away in addition to that some limes or acids in your soils can react with some of the phosphates and make them insoluble to plants so they basically can't take them up and use them there are bacteria within our soil that can break down the nitrates and again leave them not available to our plants once you remove crops from your bed so every time you remove crops or you take away the plant material you need to remember that these things the 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 molecules within that plant are made up in part from these nutrients in the ground so we have literally quite literally in a mechanical way removed them from the soil so we need to remember that All of the things that we're doing that we're removing from the soil we need to in some way replace that as well. It's all part of keeping that closed loop that cycle and the easiest way to do that is through manures and mulches. Now in a no-dig gardening method in the method that I use in our annual beds we add all of our soil amendments in the form of mulches. So we add now that we've got our compost systems all up and running and we're creating lots and lots of lovely compost we're adding effectively maybe three inches on average of compost mulch to the top of our beds every year and in order for your plants to thrive you're going to make sure that that we're adding all of those nutrients that we're removing every single year in at least the same amount and that isn't you, you need to think about that not like we're adding something to the toil, but we're maintaining what's already there we're just swapping we're swapping this handful of mulch in the form of compost for a handful of edible produce it's uh, a balance we're not trying to put more and more nutrients in what we're trying to do is maintain the nutrients that are there once we've got that balance right. And we're going to talk a bit about getting that balance right to start with in a second. So when we're adding hummus to our beds, or in order to add hummus to our beds, what we need to do is add that organic material. Now, it doesn't have to be purely compost we use or we've used almost exclusively up until now we've used wood chip mulch because we haven't had that composting system up and running enough up and running enough to be delivering us enough compost to give us that mulching that we want to do but going forward like i say you know we've got our composting systems up then it will be pure compost pretty much that we're putting on there but any type of organic matter that you're mulching with can serve the same purpose so we we used wood chip and we also used our some of our bedding from our animal beds as mulch and we also used leaves a leaf mold these are all things that are going to put different nutrients in different amounts back in our soil but they also stop it from drying out so they're going to work in tandem with For instance, particularly if you've got a sandy soil, if you've got that mulch on top, it's going to really aid that soil to offer up the nutrients and make them available. You need to remember that plants, regardless of how well their root systems may be developed and regardless of how much nutrients you may have in your soil, they're only capable of taking those nutrients on they're only capable of assimilating them if there is moisture for the roots to act with they need to have that moisture in the soil or it doesn't matter how much nutrients you have there they're just not going to be able to activate it so that mechanical process is one of the requirements of having your moist soil and obviously having your mulch there aids that you can also use green manures if you don't have as I didn't until recently a, a composting system that was delivering you enough compost you can use green manures such as clover to plant across the top of your bed in the autumn to overwinter and then die back and go into the ground as nutrients there's all sorts of options for green manures I like the idea of green manures but they're not something I've ever really been able to incorporate into our system here because we do no dig gardening and everything I've ever come across about green manures it always talks about how you you grow the plant such as crimson clover or whatever and then you dig it in and I don't want to be digging anything in so it's not something that I've ever really been able to figure a way of incorporating into our systems but maybe someone out there is listening who knows better and can put me right on that I would definitely be delighted to hear how I could incorporate green manures in a no-dig system it's really easy for you to get in touch with us you can do it either by sending an email to self-sufficient at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message you can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook where we have the Self Sufficient Hub group and the Self Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. So over the next few weeks we're going to be talking about specific nutrients within the soil. We're going to be starting with nitrogen on Monday as it's one of the main nutrients that all of our crops need. It's also one that is spoken about so frequently because we often hear the term nitrogen fixing plants. There's lots of plants that can actually, while growing, put nitrogen back in the ground for us. So it's probably the largest subject of the individual nutrient subjects that I'm going to be covering. So that's what we're going to start with on Monday. But there's some general rules of thumb and some general good housekeeping that we can maintain which are going to help us to not have these problems in the first place and not have these deficiencies to fight. So one of those or two of those we've already mentioned and those are things like adding organic matter by mulching by using a regular composting system doing things like that is going to basically keep the nutrient levels up in our garden. but another good practice is the practice of crop rotation now You've certainly heard of crop rotation I'm sure I've mentioned it in the past but it's basically the practice of growing a different type of crop in a different area every year. Now certainly there is some evidence that with the no dig method the requirement for crop rotation is diminished but there are still some advantages of it and we do still practice it. Now the crop rotation of course we all know that one of the reasons that you would do that is for plant health and for dealing with some of the problems that you can get some of the things like club root that tends to build up in the ground with brassicas so to move our crops around those diseases aren't going to build up in the ground because they're not going to have their target plant to feed on and get stronger in the ground year on year so it's going to help with disease prevention but the other thing it's going to do is help to balance our nutrients because certain crops take certain nutrients out of the ground and other crops can actually Put it back. So traditionally we would divide our crops for the purpose of crop rotation into, into three main groups and those would be your root crops, your brassicas and your legumes. So if you separated these three and you basically had a system where each year one would follow the other from the previous year, then that's going to help by rotating the areas of each crop that are growing and rotating the areas that are in demand of certain specific nutrients. So the nutrients can be replenished by peas and beans, for example, that add nitrogen back into the soil particularly if you leave their roots in the soil to break down once you've harvested them so once you've finished with your peas and your bean plants once they've died back you just cut them just above the soil and you leave the rest of the plant in the soil to break down and of course the part of the plant that you've cut goes into your compost pile and the nutrients within that part of the plant become compost and they get added back to the bed at a future date so again think about it that you'll not removing as much of that physical matter from the space permanently you're removing it temporarily and it's going to be brought back in so if you are going to be using those to fix nitrogen back into the soil that's going to help with plants that deplete that particular nutrient in the soil so by swapping everything around you're just helping that balance Sometimes despite whatever it is you might do there are going to be plants that don't flourish and you might in those cases have to deal with specific deficiencies. If that's the case then let's talk about how we diagnose those deficiencies next and what telltale signs there can be from your plants as to which deficiency you're facing. Certain nutrients are going to be the cause of different failures within our plants because they're all used for different things. So this goes back to what I was saying with getting your soil tested. Of course, that's one option. But plants, I believe, can be at least as sensitive an indicator of shortages as any laboratory. Sometimes they can also tell you if there's excess of different nutrients as well because different plants do different things under different conditions so some plants like potatoes or your cucumbers and things like that they're very very hungry feeders and they're going to take as much as you give them of all sorts of different nutrients in the ground whereas other crops are going to take on an excess of nutrients and it's not going to do very well from a harvesting point of view because while that crop is going to do stonkingly well it may do stonkingly well in such a way that it produces lots of leaves and no fruit or less fruit or really big but forked and split roots if that's what we're going to be harvesting so it's really important that we get the balance right and identifying what nutrients are deficient is the last thing that we're going to be talking about today and going through some of the telltale signs that will tell you what it is your soil's missing. If you find this podcast valuable there's several ways you can support it the easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon. Okay so if your soil is lacking in nitrogen let's start there. One of the first signs you're going to see is that your stems and your leaves instead of being a lush green colour they're going to be a bit paler a bit yellower and they're also going to just be a little bit slower and stunted they're not going to be quite as tall and big healthy looking plants as they might otherwise be. A nitrogen deficiency would also manifest itself in the drying up of leaves earlier on in the season than you might otherwise be used to seeing. In some plants, that's going to start as the lower leaves getting a little bit browner and then gradually spreading up the plant. And this is going to happen much earlier than you would expect to see it. So it's going to depend on your plant and your conditions and your climate. But whenever you would expect to see it, it's going to happen that little bit earlier. And it's that yellowing and tarnished leaves of just just looking a little bit pale and not very happy that's the first sign or the easiest sign to spot that you might have a nitrogen deficiency now if your problems are showing themselves in a different way if they've got purplish leaves and stems again with slow growth but this time with quite thin stalks and if you're getting less fruit and less seeds than you might expect to see then this is probably going to be a phosphate deficiency so if you're growing root vegetables you would also see quite spindly roots so that the roots might be as long as you'd expect but much thinner that is going to be a sign of a phosphate deficiency now if it's potassium that your soil is lacking then you're most likely to see curling leaves and the leaves getting mottled this is again going to start at the bottom of the plant and at the tips it's going to look almost like they've been scorched in the sun or they they're browning at the tips and the edges of leaves and it might also drop its leaves earlier again poor root development coupled with these signs so This can actually also even lead to the plant falling over in the wind being much less resilient to windy conditions. So if that's the sort of signs you're seeing then most likely what you have is a potassium deficiency. Next up is calcium. Now this time it's going to be that the young leaves in the terminal bud tend to hook and die back much earlier than you would expect if They've got a wrinkled look and again, short roots, quite often lots more roots. So roots that sort of don't get very long, but split off into other branches more than you would otherwise expect. That's going to be a calcium deficiency as that root tries to find more and more calcium nearer the surface. So that's a fairly common one outside of those main three of nitrogen, phosphates and potassiums. You can also have magnesium deficiencies. These can show themselves again as a a loss of colour, which again starts at the base and spreads up. In this case, though, the leaf veins, they will quite often stay green, but it'll be brown patches on the leaves elsewhere, particularly in tomatoes, between the veins. It doesn't tend to start at the edges, which is more of a sign of blight in potatoes. But it just in the middle of the leaves, and you'll see a similar patching on the leaves of apple or cherry trees, and reddish borders to the leaves sometimes in gooseberries. All these things can be a sign of a magnesium deficiency. Next up is sulfur. Now, sulfur is another one of the nutrients that a lot of our plants need, and this time, if there's a deficiency, it's going to be young leaves that get very, very light green. And the veins can be even lighter, sometimes almost white. It's going to vary from plant to plant. So in potatoes, it can appear as light spots or mottling on the leaves. And also fruits can appear prematurely, but remain small and immature, and they might not ripen at all. Sulfur deficiency isn't something that happens a great deal in the UK. And the reason for that is because we no one in the uk lives too far from the coast and we get quite a lot of sulfuric acid in the rain and that does also come from air pollution particularly in big cities you're not going to find a sulfur deficiency very often again due to the pollution that's in rain but elsewhere and in urban areas around the world it is something that you can see more commonly the last two are iron deficiencies and boron deficiencies. so boron is one of those micronutrients that is is only needed in tiny tiny amounts and a deficiency can appear as brown cracks in the base of stalks and brown rot within things like the hearts of cauliflowers and swedes and beets and other things like that it can also have yellow tops on some of the leafy plants it's something that isn't particularly common it's not something i've ever had to think about but apparently it is something that happens so something to be aware of and the last one is iron deficiency now an iron deficiency isn't something that you're going to come across very often particularly if all of your other plants needs are met and it's a particularly tricky one to diagnose because it doesn't really show itself in any way that's easy for me to explain here so I'm going to park this one for now we will pick it up in one of the forthcoming series on soil amendments and I'll go into it in a bit more in a bit more detail there because I don't think it really warrants a standalone little section here but it is just something that I wanted to mention so there you go that's our brief overview and rundown of how to diagnose different deficiencies and we will be starting on Monday looking at soil nitrogen levels how you can monitor them without having to get your soil tested and how you can maintain them and what you need to do to make sure that your plants are getting all the nitrogen that they need thanks very much for listening and I will speak to you next time find self-sufficient hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places we have a youtube channel we also have our website and now there's our facebook page and facebook group links to all of these you can find in the show notes come check us out